the winners. This is writing a wrong. And losers. A budget for benefits, not for jobs. A budget 2021. One News Inside Parliament. Kia ora and welcome to One News Inside Parliament. It's a weekly catch-up or monthly catch-up at the moment about the political stories we've been covering here on One News. I'm Benedict Collins. I'm Mikey Sherman. And I'm Jessica Much Mackay. Yeah, we've been a bit busy the last little while, so it's nice to be all back together it's again. It's to good. Be back. good on to this be back. budget week. Yeah, big, it was a, um, a big day yesterday. Mm. Um, what, what are our um, peaks and our pits um, uh, from Parliament recently? Shall I start off with um, my peak? Um, I did a story last week uh, about electric vehicles and I got to go on a ride around Wellington with James Shaw driving the electric car and it was nice to kind of get back into storytelling with pictures and we put up a GoPro and uh, got some nice shots um, with the camera operator Tony George and it was just like yeah this is fun going back to making some television again so I enjoyed telling that story. I think what the people really want to know Jess is was there EV carpool karaoke? No (laughs) we did actually talk about that though Um, but no I feel like that was a missed opportunity and I'm sorry. If you did sing with James Shaw what do you think that duet would be? Um, I see green, I see green, I see green. <laughs> I can't think of a song. That, no, I, I, what's the Kermit the Frog song? That is, I'd love to be green or something. It's not easy being green. Not easy being green. Or it's not easy being green. There'd have to be some other song, like yeah. an Irish shamrock def- song or something. Definitely wouldn't be Dr. Dre smoke weed every day because that. I mean, that's green. Oh, but it wouldn't be that. Also clever. That wouldn't, that wouldn't be that. have been my first pick. But yeah, that was a missed opportunity. So I'll take <laughs> advantage next time. Yeah, yeah. Um, my uh, peak and pit um, uh, covers this the uh, topic of the Hepuapua report. Um, quite the uh, uh, controversial debate. Uh, a, a re- debated report, highly debated, hotly debated, all of the things report um, in the last couple of weeks with the National Party um, actually jumping on the coattails of ACT, who actually brought it out first, um, but National taking it and running with it, and Judith Collins just got kind of going around the country to the um, National Party conferences, regional conferences, um, and sort of bringing out different parts of that report and other things um, one after the other. People are uh, questioning whether it's... Um, you know, inflaming um, racist rhetoric and so on and so forth. And, uh, yeah, it's been quite the big debate around here. Uh, I think my my take on that is that, um, obviously, this Hepuapua report was received by the government in 2019. Um, you do have to question why uh, we didn't know or hear about that report um, ever since then. It's been gathering dust in the bottom drawer. You'd have to say it's politics. You know, at that time, they had New Zealand first... Um, you know, in the coalition with Labour, of course, if, if they had brought that out, that report out publicly, you know the line that Winston Peters would have taken on it, um, and it, it would have created more division, you'd have to say, with Labour's Māori caucus and, you know, Winston Peters probably at opposite ends on a report like that. Um, and then, of course, you know, heading into the election, you can also understand why perhaps Labour didn't want that to be their sort of, you know, campaign distractor, if you like, because it would have taken up a lot of 
airtime and also they would have had to really nut out the pathway forward for them. So you can see why they didn't bring it out, but it also shows a lack of bravery, I think, in some parts. It does show politics. It does also do a disservice to Māori who deserve to have that report and those recommendations discussed in a mature way, which we haven't seen now that the National Party has actually taken over the narrative on that. And that's the key thing, isn't it? It's that discussion around it that has now been lost. I think that's really interesting. Yeah, and so the peak actually um, is that actually and just on, you know, so I've spoken about the Labour Party's handling of that report um, and and how it was a poor way to handle it, I think. Um, and But then also on the other hand, you have to do question Judith Collins and the National Party's use of that report and whether they are weaponising it as a political tool, um, you know, for political gain and, and the... Um, and the concern around the national narrative that they are sort of pushing with that and, and sort of, you know, I think that as a society in New Zealand, you know, we've come a long way um, and I think the majority of, of New Zealanders, you know, won't sort of be too scared or, or by, by sort of discussions around moving as one and sort of recognising Māori more and more in terms of things like co-governance. But I do think that there is a um, probably a... a chunk or slither of Kiwis who would take that and um, and you know it kind of incites that sort of those uh, criticisms around racism and all of that so I think you know that's that's um, quite dangerous politically um, so I think those those are my two views on that but also the peak is that um, I was able to <laughs> getting there whānau it's been a while peaks. since we had our last podcast um, peak is that I got to sit down with uh, former national leader and Prime Minister Jim Bolger um, and he shared his thoughts on it um, which were pretty much that you know Labour should have brought the report out but also national needs to be careful by using things words like separatist and segregation and, and sort of taking us down that path. Yeah, quite, um, so quite it was a balanced really kind of it was a balanced sort of view on the view whole on thing it. I thought. And yeah. I thought that was the mature view that that the country needed um, at that mm. point because the, the sort of debate in Parliament had started to get quite ugly, um, you know, with the Māori Party storming out, accusing National of race baiting and racist rhetoric and all of that. So it's getting quite heated in here. So it's good to have a, a sort of reasoned um, perspective from Jim Bolger. It's also just quite a fun part of the job, sitting down with someone who's got so much insight mm. and actually having a yarn. And that's just a cool, but you know, that's awesome that he agreed to do the interview and mm. sat down with you and did that. I think it's really cool. It's a fun Fun part of journalism. Yeah. Yeah. And speaking of heated scenes in Parliament, there, there was um, we're going to have to rewind a couple of weeks, but there was a huge blow up in Parliament a couple of weeks back. Um, Trevor Mallard um, back, back in the hot seat uh, over that um, uh, the false rape allegation against a, a person who worked at Parliament. Um, anyway, it all blew up and it was fiery sort of scenes in Parliament. Um, but there was one moment that I really quite enjoyed in it and that was um, so Chris Bishop National MP and, and Trevor Mallard they're really having a go at each other in the house and Chris Bishop gets up at one point and he, he's so angry and he says well leave aside all the defamatory stuff he just said about me most of which was wrong you know, <laughs> <laughs> and it, yeah, he got away, but I, I thoroughly in, in, enjoyed that moment and text that to uh, Chris the next day so, yeah. Yeah, yeah. it was uh, it was a uh, laugh out loud moment it was good <laughs> um, my Pitch uh, over the last little while um, was going out. There was a protest at Parliament um, a bit with split migration, uh, split, split migrant, I should say, families, um, where one of their partners is away and, and because mm. of COVID they got stuck. Um, and it was just sad because I think you can't help but 
think when you're interviewing them, they're like, look, we're away from our kids at the moment and if we leave, we've invested thousands of dollars to be here and then we lose our opportunity to be in New Zealand. And you just think, you know, as a mum, it's just really tough thinking about being away from your kids for that long and being stuck in the situation. So I think that was probably a pitch for me, just um, hearing those stories you know, it was good that they were able to share them and good that we were able to put them on the news, but it just, it's hard not to empathise with those guys who are, you know, standing outside Parliament with a with a pretty strong message. So that was my pitch. I was pretty impressed with Erica Stanford. She was quite strong on that, um, on that we issue. We haven't seen a lot of her, yeah. um, and I think she does a bit of work behind the scenes, but it's interesting to see her front and centre, mm. and she was... Impressive, and I'm not sure if we knew, you know, we as journos knew heaps about her, and, and so the public's probably in the same boat. Yeah, cool. Mm. Should we move on? Budget pit? stuff. Do you have a pit? Oh, yeah. Yeah, well, another interesting story um, covered this week um, a massive increase, 75% increase in the number of beneficiaries who are getting hit with a um, basically an outstanding arrest warrant sanction. So this is, if you don't turn up to court, you've got an arrest warrant out for you, basically <coughs> Justice Department lets MSD know and they cut cut your benefit. Now the interesting thing here was that we went back through um, the historical footage and Jacinda Ardern happened to be Labor's social development spokesperson back in 2013 and she was appalled when National brought this in. She said it was disgusting. She said it went against everything the Labor Party stood for. She said National was just making beneficiaries out to be criminals, out to have outstanding arrest warrants and then yeah and then we come to her government. She gets into power and the use of this sanction has just exploded. And uh, some of the interesting things around here, MSD has no idea what the outstanding warrant is for when it cuts its um, cuts people's benefits. Um, Minister Cipollone, her own officials have written to her saying, hey, this just makes things much worse for people already going through the <clears throat> court process. You're better off try, just trying to contact them and support them through the process. Um, you've had the welfare expert welfare group saying you should dump this sanction. And then interviewed the minister this week, and she said, "Oh yeah, hey, look, I used to be really opposed to this when I was in opposition, but you know now we just have to have to sort of kind of review all the sanctions." So yeah, a bit of bit of hypocrisy there yeah. um, from from the um, uh, Labour Party. And a good story to get up. It was really interesting. One thing I did want to just note, and I'm not sure if you guys were aware of this, but I wasn't. Today I went along to a um, social development supermarket uh, that is is run by City Mission and what you do is you um, go along to a um, to Wins and they give you a certain amount of points and then you book a time to go into the supermarket and it's set up kind of like a mini mart sort of thing like quite a in a in an office building and you might have like 55 points if I'm a single person for example I might go in with 55 points and you can then go and pick out and shop with the things that you need. So, you know, a can of chickpeas might be one point and then a thing of eggs might be five points. And you can choose. So instead of a food bank where you get like a parcel of things, you, you get to can, pick what you want. You get to pick what you, <coughs> what you want, need. what you know how to cook with, yeah. what, you know, your kids might be allergic to something or you might um, have a preference for this. And I just thought that was a really interesting concept. I didn't realise that they um, existed and it was good. I went with the Prime Minister. She did a photo up there. And it was just, I thought, an interesting concept 
concept that other people might not know about either. Mm. And, and really closely linked to the to the budget, you well, say, exactly. and, and all the extra. Uh, and they're trying know. to prevent that from being necessary. So that's I'll be using that in the story later on tonight. Cool. Good. Yeah, cool. but cool. yesterday's budget, obviously, yes. a big, oh, a big sorry, theme. Sorry, I ruined your segue. That was really good. I'm really sorry for <laughs> that. Um, yeah, so. theme welfare, right? Yes, and I, um, I think it's fair to say that the brain is reasonably fried yesterday. I think it's just such a lot of concentrating and trying to um, sort and order facts and figures and information and what to put in and what to put out. So I think we're all feeling a little bit um, fried today. But in terms of the budget, it was a really um, brain fried today. Thank you very much, Mikey Sherman. I think um, it was a pretty big day yesterday in terms of budget and I called it the benefit budget uh, the beneficiaries were the big winners they get $20 extra from uh, July 1st and then they get a range of different figures on top of that um, in uh, April so those increases in total will go up to between 32 and $55 yep. extra a week so that's a from April next year that'll be a, a big boost. So I just think that's a big winner. And also um, what the the government is arguing is by giving the money to the most vulnerable families, they will spend it. So they will go out and spend their extra $20 a week on petrol, on food, on whatever. Um, so it's hoped that that $3.3 billion over four years will be pumped into the, the economy and get things yeah. going. So that's the thinking process behind that. I also really enjoyed um, Grant Robertson reflecting on the anniversary of the mother of all budgets three decades on. He sees it as righting a wrong that was done in the in that mother of all budgets with Ruth Richardson and I very much and and it's subjective of course but and it was a a volatile situation then but I just feel like it was great to look back through that footage showing her and then Sean Grant Robertson, yeah. obviously in different sides of the political spectrum, and even 30 years on, still having that clash in that moment. So I liked that political geekery moment there. I also liked the naming of the budgets from the other MPs. Um, David Seymour called it the La La budget, and Judith Collins called it the Broken Compass budget. What did you think so, it should be called, Mikey? Oh, I don't know. Um, got any thoughts? No, he has no thoughts. <laughs> <laughs> it's interesting though, right? Because you've got Grant Robertson there <coughs> saying, um, you know, that he's trying to undo what Ruth Richardson had, had done 30 yeah. years ago. <coughs> but when we spoke to the Prime Minister <coughs> yesterday, she did say, hey, this, this is going to make a difference. But, but you have to remember that, you know, the benefits are still coming off a very low base because yeah. there's been decades of basically, you know, of them being way, way below the poverty line, right? So they're, they're trying to bring them up. But I think they, they acknowledge, right, they're going to have to keep going if they really want to bring people up. They're, they're hoping that they could bring between 19 and 33,000 children um, up above the poverty line with this move. But I think using that figure set, it'd still be well over 100,000 kids in New Zealand, um, you know, still in, still below the poverty line on on that measure that they're using there. So they're going to have to keep you know, doing more of this every every year, I think. And one of the people you suggested to have a chat to who was in the budget lockup was Michael Fletcher, mm. and he was an advisor um, to the WEAG group um, looking into that. And his point as well was that when they recommended that 47% yes. increase, that was a number of years ago. Now, 
even three or four years on, the cost of living has gone up, the cost of housing has gone up dramatically. So he he was very quick to say, look, this is a big move, it's bold, mm. it's impressive that they've done this, but it's still not there, not exactly where we need to be. So I did think it was really interesting. I guess, yeah, did you want to oh, add to that? Yeah. He, I also interviewed him for a story a little while ago, and yeah. he's doing a whole lot of work at the moment looking into how far, how much more money beneficiaries would need for basically for the, to have a sort of decent life where they could afford all the basics and, you know, keep mm-hmm. the heaters on, keep food on the table, you know, um, uh, properly clothed, things like that. And so that's going to be really interesting when that comes out to see how close this 32 to $55 lift gets them to that to that level that he's doing. I don't know, he's looking at individuals as well as families. Yeah, mm. it was fascinating. It was really interesting to talk to. The other big winner out of the budget um, was were Māori and I think that um, the Māori caucus were feeling pretty chuffed last night. In fact, one of the ministers used that exact word when we saw him after the news uh, yesterday. And I think it was a big win, a billion dollars. That's not a small amount of money. You did the story on that. What was your take? Yeah, I think um, certainly a um, budget win to be proud of for the Māori caucus. Um, and they're under a lot of pressure to deliver because they, you know, we they do have the largest number of Maori MPs in a single party that we've seen in, in so long, and also they're in government, and so there is an expectation of demand from Maori voters as to, you know, to to why they put their support behind Labour and these Maori MPs, and especially when you have a sort of now reinvigorated. Māori party so there's a contest there and so I think um, it was crucial that the Māori caucus was able to deliver in this budget for themselves um, and for voters. I think um, uh, the health authority money for the Māori health authority um, it'll be interesting obviously just over 200 million to sort of set it up and sort of get the programs running um, program delivery. It will be very interesting to see the overall final budget that they have that they are um, responsible for um, and the minister sort of alluded to perhaps that work happening over the next six months um, you know and so you, you you've got to have high expectations for that budget figure so that would be one to keep an eye on because I guess the interesting thing is when you break it down in a very um, crude way the budget for health 4.7 billion dollars if it's one in five, isn't it? Mm. It's is it 20%? Is that correct of Māori who are in the health system? So in effect, they should be in charge of a billion dollars. That's how it should work. So it'll be interesting to see. Was it 20 or 25%? Uh, but anyway, yeah. in, you know, you're looking at one, one and a half billion that they should be in charge of. And so. I certainly think that that is the target um, behind the scenes. And so we'll see mm. whether or not they deliver on that um, in, in time coming. The other big... Um, um, thing for for Māori was the um, housing money Mm. set aside, which will get about a thousand new homes, um, which is a mix of papakainga and rentals and transitional houses. Um, The interesting thing though was the um, I think it was just over 300 million from the infrastructure fund, but that that fund is a three point, you know, over three billion dollars, mm. and so to carve out just over three hundred million for Maori housing in terms of that infrastructure, it's not, it's not the best. 
you know, it's not that great when you're looking at the full budget. Um, so, you know, a little bit of critique around that, I guess. Um, but also very good to see money in there for Māori media. I know Māori television in particular were saying that they haven't had a funding increase for 13 years. And we know in our industry how difficult that must be, given, you know, we've all moved into the digital age as well. So they've had to sort of carry that cost with no increase in their budget. So good to see extra cash there for them and also for, for Kura and Wan, Farewananga and that. So, yeah, it's pretty pretty solid. Yeah, I think um, there were a few losers out of the budget, I guess. Um, my take on it was that Middle New Zealand didn't really get that sweetener um, that they that they traditionally get. And one of the um, arguments that the government made when I talked about that behind the scenes was that, look, over the last... 30 years, Middle New Zealand has been the focus of budgets and this time it's time to focus our attention on those lower income earners and really boost the welfare system. So that was an interesting argument. They also said that, look, we're giving people free vaccines, we're pumping big money into health and education like usual, we're, um, you know, helping with jobs and things like that. So that was their argument. And I guess the other one is business and the argument for that uh, I guess is that they got so much support last year with the wage subsidy that the, sh- the focus needed to shift elsewhere. So, really yeah. interesting. What, did you guys think? I, I mean, I'd, I'd argue too that you know, middle New Zealand gets to live in a more equitable society, um, and, and every, everyone does by targeting you know money to um, you know the, those people who are really struggling. Um, I thought there were a couple of really interesting things I thought yesterday in our track. So we we got reporters out and about around the country. Um, for my story, our um, Christchurch reporter Thomas Mead went down to a um, Rickerton school and was basically talking to people. And he talked to this um, mum who was picking up her um, kids from school, and she was um, on, on, on a benefit. And she was she gave us these amazing grabs. Every grab she gave us was amazing. But she's saying, look, for us, this what I'm going to do with this money, I just can't wait to get it. Um, I'm going to go ahead and buy umbrellas for my kids because we catch the bus today every school. We're always out in the rain. I'm going to buy them umbrellas, and then I'm going to get them some jackets for the winter, right, to keep them warm. I thought that was, you know, it kind of really brings it home what this $50 doesn't, so a lot of people doesn't seem like a lot of money, but to these people it would make a real difference. And then Jess, in, in your track, you had, you know, people saying, $50, we're on a benefit. That's like winning lotto for us, right? Yeah. And it kind of, for me, those kind of, they, they just drive it home about how, what a real difference this will make, you know, to people's lives, this kind of money. Yeah, and for most of us, Luckily, we don't have a huge concept of what that is like. Do you know what I mean? I think that the, for the vast majority of New Zealanders, they're not in, they won't have gone on a benefit or um, have had to live on a benefit for a long time. Do you know what I mean? And I think, I mean, another point that was interesting is I made the commentary last night on the news that you know middle income didn't really get anything and had a little bit of feedback from a few people saying, hey, look, I am middle New Zealand, but I actually feel like I did get something because I feel good about people on a benefit getting a budget. And yeah. I was like, yeah, I hadn't thought about it from, you know, I'm, yeah. I'm thinking about it from an um, individual what, what point of view. Yeah, yeah, yourself, what did you right? receive? Yeah, what did you receive? Yeah, and I think, you know, that's picture, my job. Yeah. Um, but I did think that that was a really interesting mm-hmm. point. The other thing I just thought was interesting and captured my attention was um, why the government decided to prioritise the um, $300 million for the Scott Base redevelopment. Yeah, interesting, and I guess, eh? Yeah, I think it's, <laughs> it's a lot of money and I think it's a bit of a... Legacy, I mean, that is our place. Um, it's our job to look after it and protect it. 
the argument is that it'll create 700 jobs over six years. Um, you know, it, but I do think we have a um, responsibility as custodians and big players in Antarctica to do that. But I did think that that was an interesting little nugget to come out. Did you guys spot any other bits and pieces that you thought were interesting? Because that might be a nice way. There was something mm. about wagons as well that I thought was fascinating, and I was like, oh, oh. With, the, with the rail. Yeah, yeah. Uh, uh, was it Hillside in, in, yeah, Dunedin, in Dunedin where they're doing up the. Yeah. yeah, so we went there on the um, campaign trail with. Yeah. Um, I'm sure it was just in Redurn last. Um, last year, yeah. So they're going to do that up, and they're going to start building homegrown um, wagons, right? Yeah, and, and putting just, quite a lot of money into Kiwi Rail. Yeah, what I, I just think sometimes those things are really fascinating. You learn lots of interesting mm. bits and pieces. I oh, did. Did he? Yeah. Um, you know, a few environmental groups like Forest and Bird and stuff sort of saying they didn't think there was enough in the um, in the in the budget for the environment. Yeah, I think complaints that's fair around criticism. they're not particularly. I think. Uh, from other groups as well around not being enough support for farmers to help them get away from less mm. intensive farming. So, you know, there were, there were some uh, criticisms, criticisms as well. Yeah, mm. absolutely. Yeah, yeah. Th- no, they definitely were. And I think um, I think there were some oh. some people who missed out for sure. Yeah. Well, mm. shall we leave it there? Indeed. All right. Thanks for joining us, guys. That was One News Inside Parliament, our weekly catch-up about the political stories we've been covering. Here on One News, we're on Instagram, Twitter and Facebook and it's available most weeks on One News Online and you can check us out on your favourite podcasting app.